0: go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 and this morning we begin reading here in verse 13. It says, and then little children were brought to him that he might put His hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And so he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. Why do I still lack? Jesus said to him, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And then Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And then Peter answered and said to him, see, we have left all and followed you Therefore, what shall we have? And so Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. What a blessing it is to be able to study the day-to-day life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, you look at the stories like this of Jesus and his encounter with the children, and Jesus and his encounter with the rich young ruler, and even the discussions with Peter, and all the things that go on in his life. And it's such a blessing that the Lord has recorded these things, For our edification. And in these texts this morning, we're going to see kind of fundamentally two things, you guys, that I think the Lord wants to teach us that really can change our lives. One is this, you guys. I think ultimately, and even though there's a couple of subtopics here, ultimately the Lord wants to teach us this that we need to have the faith of a child. The faith of a child the second thing we see here after having faith in the lord is that we need to follow the lord to fully follow the Lord those are really the topics that are tucked into our teaching this morning and it's kind of cool as we read here after the things going on and we know Jesus Christ was probably one of the most busiest individuals to ever to walk on planet earth but again notice what happens there in verse 13 that it says that little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray but the disciples rebuked them Here we see Jesus and the children. According to Luke chapter 18, verse 15, they were infants. There were infants there, there were maybe toddlers there. The parents brought the children, maybe the moms, maybe the dads, maybe it was even a big brother. The Bible doesn't really say specifically who brought the children, but they brought them according to Luke 18, 15, according to Matthew chapter 19, that he might touch them, that he might lay hands on them, that he might bless them, that he might pray for them and as we look at this you know it's kind of a cool thing you know the bible speaks about how the lord has such a heart for the children and you know over in luke it also adds this truth it says "Assuredly, i say to you the lord said whoever does not receive the kingdom of god as a little child will by no means enter it you know the children are pre- presented to christ and Of course, we know he's busy. The disciples, I believe, they love the Lord. They know he's extremely busy. And there they are. They kind of want to protect him from the things that they would you know, consider to be unnecessary interruptions. But what does the Lord do again, you guys? He takes this time. He lifts up a little child and he uses them as an illustration to teach them about really what is going on in the kingdom of God. You see, the disciples didn't realize this. The Lord said right there in verse 14, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. Here it is, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. You see, they didn't realize the significance of The faith of a child. They didn't realize the importance that children had to the Lord. And so there they are, ostracizing them. The Bible says that they rebuked them. They said, go away. Not now. Not ever. Jesus doesn't have time for such childishness, such foolishness. He has more important things to do. (laughs) But what could be more important than the children? You know, we need to understand how valuable the children are in our life. For those of you who are parents, for those of you who are grandparents, some of you here have neighbors who have little little rugrats that are running around. Some of you here have nephews and nieces, and God really wants us to catch that vision. We even saw it earlier in Matthew chapter 18, how precious the children are. And here we see the Lord opens the door, man. Nothing is more important than these kids. They're clever, they're fearless, they're four-year-olds. Huh? That's how they are, man. And the Lord just says, listen, let them come. I want to pray for them. I want to touch them. I want to bless them. And let me teach you something right here, right now, disciples, you who are busy about God's business, you are religious in your activity, that the kingdom of God, the kingdom consists of individuals just like this. And you guys are too grown up to get in right now. You need to humble yourself. You need to have the faith of a child. That's really what we see. As a matter of fact, if you go over to Luke, let's go ahead and look at that verse right there in Luke chapter 18. It says in verse 17 of Luke 18, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. The faith of a little child. You know what, I think for a lot of us as Christians, our faith has gotten a little bit too sophisticated. It really has. It's so cool when you see a grown-up and there's still a kid in faith. That's what I'm talking about. Like we were talking about Israel today. God can provide you know, for Israel if he wants you to go. But if you're going to doubt it, forget it. It's not going to happen. You've lost your faith as a little child. God can do anything. You know, my son, sometimes he'll ask me, Dad, when are we going to get a grand piano? And I'll be like, what (laughs) what are you talking about? Do you know how much those cost, a grand piano? And I'm thinking, you know, initially, what's not going to happen. And the Lord says, that's not how you function in my kingdom. See, God can do anything, and we need to make sure that we have the faith of a child. You know, one of the things you see about children is kind of, You know, an interesting thing we see in our society today that, you know, as you uh, have your little children, you can tell them about the tooth fairy, huh? You can tell them, hey, when your little tooth falls out, you put it there underneath the pillow, and man, you watch, the tooth fairy's going to come, and they're going to put, you know... Five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, depending on how much you love your child. You know, they're going to put the money there. And you wake up in the morning and the kids all, wow, the tooth fairy came. Or, you know, sometimes people teach their children about the Easter bunny and Santa Claus. And I just want to say this off, you know, initially, they believe you. Why? Because they haven't gotten all jacked up like adults, Right? Now, personally, I wouldn't teach my child such things. I didn't when they were growing up. Why? Because then the day comes and you tell them, oh, I was just lying <laughs> the whole time. And, and so you lie about the Easter Bunny, you lie about the Tooth Fairy, you lie about Santa Claus. How do they know you're not lying about God? But the point being this, that they believe it, that they receive it. And that's the way we need to be as Christians, you guys. We really need to make sure that we don't lose the faith of a little child. And the Lord tries to teach his disciples this. He says, hey, let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them. Why? For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And unless you guys humble yourselves and you have that kind of faith in your life, you will not see God do great things either. You won't. That's the bottom line. Without faith, it's impossible to please God without the faith to bring your child to the Lord, without the faith to bring your husband to the Lord, your wife, your co-workers, your friends, your family members, just like these individuals did here, bringing them so that Jesus might touch them, nothing's going to happen. We have to make sure we understand that Faith is the key that unlocks those doors of all the impossible things that you desire in your life to change the world, to change people for good. Faith is what, you know, lays hold of the impossible, It sees the invisible. And we need to come back to just a simple, childlike faith. We really do, you guys. Let's not get all sophisticated and lose out in life. And then we wonder. We're scratching our heads and we're thinking, why isn't anything incredible happening in my life? I see it in so-and-so and and them. You know, when you're a kid, isn't it so cool how much fun you have? I mean, you know, my kids, they come to church. They have fun. I mean, they just love coming to church. They really do. Now, a lot of grown-ups don't have fun. You know, they come to church because they have to, and it's an obligation, and it's a burden, and it's a necessity, and they don't have fun, you know, coming to church. And I'm not saying that you have to play soccer like they do. I mean, if you want to, I suppose you could, you know. But come on, you guys. Let's live a life of faith. Let's live a life like a child. Let's have fun. Let's smile. Let's enjoy music and colors. And God will take care of all those things that are burdening you down. See, my kids don't wonder, hey, where's the you know, money going to come? They know it's going to come. And that's the type of faith that we need to have, you guys. The Lord teaches us about getting into the kingdom, about living in the kingdom. And he uses a child as an illustration. And you know, I just want God to do great things in your life. I really do. And I know this, that you need to believe in him. That you need to have faith. What does the Bible say if you doubt? What does it say? You're not going to get it. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. But you believe in the Lord. And God will do such a great work. And here we see the Lord just teaching us in his you know, encounter with the children. And then he teaches us in his encounter with the Rich young ruler. Now, behold, it says there in verse 16, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now, we always call this the you know story of the rich young ruler. We know he was rich. It says there in verse 22 that he had great possessions. We know he was a ruler because it says in Luke chapter 18 that he was in verse 18. And we know he was young because you read that in verse 20, in verse 22, that he was a, a rich, young man. And so probably about 41, 42 years old, right around that age. <laughs> a young guy still. No, actually, he's probably, I have to admit, he was probably younger than that. Maybe late 20s, early 30s. He comes to the Lord and uh, he asks him about getting into heaven and you know, when you look at the rich young ruler, we see in the end that he chose not to follow Jesus Christ. We know that he chose gold over God. He chose possessions over paradise. He chose the temporal over the eternal. And, and you wonder, why wouldn't anyone follow God? Again, two simple things today for us to really lay hold of that I think can transform our life. Have the faith of a child. Faith in God. And then the simplicity is this. Follow God, follow god fully with all your heart don't let anyone or anything come between you and the lord who loves you the lord who is leading you but the thing is this the rich young ruler wasn't willing to let go of his possessions and follow this person why because he did not know who this person was and so jesus christ looking into his heart he wanted to deal with that issue first off and so he said to him in verse 17 why do you call me good no one is good but one that is God. You know, part of the reason that he didn't follow the Lord is because he didn't realize who he was talking to. That here he was speaking to the Savior. Here he was asking the Almighty. You know, Jesus was not simply, I've said this many times, a random rabbi, typical teacher, passing prophet. No, he was God in the flesh. And so the Lord deals with this by asking him, this question listen why do you call me good i want you to think about it you see that i'm good don't you and i am good as a matter of fact later on in john chapter 10 jesus calls himself the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep he is good he said he was good but this man didn't realize what good really meant that good meant he was god I mean, good teacher, here you are doing all these incredible miracles. And here you are with the most incredible words and the power and the love and all that you are. I even see you spending time with the children. He's good. And here he is, God in the flesh. Now, I must admit, when you read that verse right there initially, if this was the only verse dealing with the deity of Christ, then you might wonder if Jesus was denying his deity. But the bottom line is the Bible convincingly clearly teaches that jesus is god the second person of the trinity we see that many times in the scripture john 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god there it is plain and simple john chapter 20 verse 28 and bible says and thomas answered and said to him jesus my lord and my god in acts chapter 20 verse 28 paul said therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I mean, the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is God. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says Jesus came in the morphe, the form of God. In Romans chapter 9, verse 5, the Bible says Christ is eternally blessed. God, in 1 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says God was manifested in the flesh. And so the Bible, when you read the Bible, it clearly, convincingly teaches that Jesus is God. And once you find out and once you internalize that truth that Jesus is God, when he says, follow me, what will you do? Then you would follow him, right? But only then. You don't follow men right you don't follow any men but you follow god this guy right here was coming to the lord he had an interesting question jesus wanted to lead him to heaven but he needed to know first of all who he was and so he deals with that think about it for a second and then the man says okay well here's my question how how can i have eternal life and the Lord says, listen, first of all, you've got to know that I'm God. But here it is. He deals with another thing in the man's life. This says there in verse 17 towards the end, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, it's kind of interesting. Jesus here is throwing this guy a couple of curveballs. Um, is that how you get to heaven? If someone comes up to you and they say, hey, how can I make it to heaven? Would anyone here say, keep the commandments? Probably not, because in all reality, we can't. Now, if you could, yeah, you'll get to heaven. <laughs> but there ain't no one here who can. None of us can. What Jesus is doing here is dealing with this individual very, very personally. Number one, you've got to understand who I am. And number two, you have to understand how much you need me. If you don't know who Jesus is, that he's God, And if you don't understand how desperately you need him because of the fact that you're a sinner, then you will never, ever, ever get saved. And that's what the Lord deals with right here in this young man's life. You know, Jesus is good. Jesus is God. But unless you realize who I am and who you are, you're never going to make it into heaven. You know, maybe the young man would mold these things over later. It would be cool, you know, I don't know for sure, but man, wouldn't it be cool to see him there in the kingdom? The Lord, you know, planted these things in his heart for him to think about. But as the Lord gives him the answer, the Lord gives him some commandments. He gives him four out of the ten commandments. He gives him one of the great commandments there in verses 18 and 19. And he gives him these commandments not to show him the way, but to show him his wickedness. Okay, one commandment, man, you you can't murder. And so most people would think, well, I've never killed anybody. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever hated anyone? Have you ever been angry in your heart? According to Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22, you're guilty of murder, that sin, that heinous sin. And I know all of you guys have, right? (laughs) You've been upset with people. They cut you off on the freeway. They you know did you know incredible things incredible things that people do to you they disrespect you they hurt you they're disloyal to you they gossip about you they come against you and a lot of times man people end up murdering in their heart we're all guilty of that we're guilty of adultery the bible says in Matthew 5 verse 27 through 28 remember how it was before you were a christian how you used to check out chicks before You were a Christian. Some of you gals here, you might even be guilty of that still. I mean, the images are everywhere. The billboards, the commercials, the television, I mean, the magazines, the internet. Any type of lust, any type of anger and hatred, you're guilty of those sins. This man said, no, I've never done that. Never hated, never lusted. You've never stolen anything. You've never said a lie. You mean to tell me that you love everybody? The man said right here, listen, verse 20, all these things I have kept from my youth. This guy's not cooperating with the Holy Spirit, man. He doesn't know who Jesus is. And when Jesus says, okay, keep these commandments, what does he say? I've done them. You know, maybe from an external perspective, but not from the internal, not in a reality. And the Lord right here wants to bring him to that point where he can acknowledge his need for Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 2 that the law cannot save. It says in Galatians 2 verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord right here was trying to bring him to that point. And I pray that all of you here would know that as well. Just in case, man, you don't know that, I want to just encourage you today in that truth, that your good works, that our religious ceremonies, that our church attendance, that our Bible reading and praying, none of those things save us. We can never stand before God one day and say, well, I went to church You know, nine times out of ten, and I read the whole Bible three times, and, you know, I used to pray a half an hour. It doesn't matter if you prayed an hour a day. Those things will never save you. The works of the law will never justify anyone. What saves us? What saves us is when we realize who Jesus is, that he's God, and we realize that we are sinners sentenced to hell, and we cry out, God, I need you. I turn from my sins. And Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's what the Lord was trying to bring him. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Psalm 143, verse 2, that there are none that are righteous. And that's what the Lord was trying to bring this rich young ruler. You see, number one, he deals with the issue of identity. Who is God? Who am I? I pray we would know that, you guys. Even as Christians here today, that we would know that we still sin and we still need Jesus, huh? How many of you guys sinned this last week? Just out of curiosity, man today we still need him desperately let that never change why because i want god to do a great work in our lives and if we come to that point with pride and oh yeah i've got it all together then you no longer are usable in god's hands identity secondly superficiality superficiality oh yeah i've got it all right no our hearts are still wicked you guys our hearts are still wicked and you know it I mean, aren't you glad that people can't read your mind? Aren't you glad? right? And you, all of you could, would get excommunicated right now, man. <laughs> that people could read our We're still wicked. I can't wait for the day I'm set free when I'm in heaven. No longer will I have a sin nature. It's an issue of identity. It's an issue of superficiality or reality. And then it's also just an issue of vanity because look what he says right there again in verse 20 all these things i have kept from my youth and here it is what do i still lack i mean i've tried the religious route i've done my best to do these things from an external perspective but there is still something missing in my life i'm still lacking something and i know it And Jesus, I'm coming to you today because I'm just being honest with you. Just as many of us need to be honest with the Lord today. And for some of you here, there might be some here today who say that same thing. There's still something missing in my life. What do I still lack? And I just love what the Lord says. He gives him the answer. He says again there in verse 21, If you want to be perfect, you go and you sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then you do this, man. You come and you follow me. It's so awesome when you look at that. And you realize what the Lord is calling us to do this morning. He wants us to have the faith of a child. You know, he wants us to go back, and maybe for some of you here it will be. You know, you're going to play some soccer, you'll break out the skateboard, or, you know, you're going to go back and you're going to have a smile on your face again, and you're going to have fun in life because you are a child of God. And as you have the faith of a child believing he can do anything, whether it's a grand piano or a trip to Israel, God can do anything, then he will. And then here this morning, he calls us to. You know what, to, to let go of those things, to sell all we have, give it to the poor. And then i tell you what, let's go out, Jesus says, on a great adventure. You follow me. Yeah, but where are you going, Lord? I uh, just out of curiosity, I kind of want to know a few details on this whole thing. And Lord says, listen, no, that's not what you follow me. You've got to surrender everything. And that's really what the Lord is telling this young man. You see, that's how we're saved. That's the key, really, to eternal life. That's how we're made perfect in God's sight, to sell everything, so to speak, and to give the income to the poor and to go and live in a monastery, right? <laughs> Become a monk. Now, is that what the Lord is saying? There's a formula for salvation. Hey, I want you to go sell everything. Quit your job and go over there in the desert man and be a monk will that save you no um there are some monks who are punks we know that right (laughs) not every monk not everyone who does that religious stuff is right on no he's talking about the idols that we have the sins that we hold on to the things that god is calling us this morning to release the things that he wants us to surrender you know believe it or not there are some monks who are not right in god's sight And what God is not giving us here is a blanket statement on how to get to heaven, you know, three steps to the stairway to heaven. No, God is just calling us to yield our life to him, our whole life, man. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We've got to believe, we've got to receive, we've got to turn from our sins. The Bible says Peter told the people, hey, what should I do to be saved? What do we need to do now? Well, here it is, repent of all your sins and embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, as you do that, man, you will go out on a great adventure in life. Imagine this opportunity, if you could, just for a second, You know, kind of put yourself in this rich young ruler's place. You know, he doesn't know the whole story. He doesn't know how it all ends up. But imagine the opportunity of literally walking with Jesus Christ there in first century Galilee. Wouldn't that have been incredible? Seriously, man. I mean, him cooking you up some fish. Imagine how it tasted, man. I mean, him taking care of you, feeding you. You see the miracles, the wonders. And then what does he do? He breathes on you and he allows the Holy Spirit to fall on you. And then he sends you to India and Ethiopia and he sends you all over the world. And those 12 men, we know that Paul probably replaced Judas. These 12 men experienced the adventure of a lifetime. And I think what happens a lot of times is that we're, we're not really, I'm sorry to say, you know, but we're not really following the Lord. And that's why just like our kids, you know, our kids are nowadays, oh, Dad, I'm bored. We've well, got 35 video games. How can you possibly be bored, you know? And it's because they've really lost focus of this whole thing. Some Christians are bored. You see it in their eyes. There's no adventure, there's no sparkle, there's no light. They're not really interested in the things of God. Why? Because they're not really following the Lord. They're bored in life. Why? Because they're not living that great adventure. And this is what God wants us to live out loud, you guys. I want to encourage you guys today to have this understanding in your heart, man, that God is calling us as a church back to the basics. But if we can get the basics right, then we will be blessed in life. God wants us, one, to have the faith of a child. To have that faith of a child, believing that he can do anything. We're going to see next week how God says, listen, with me, there's nothing that's impossible. Let's go back to having the faith of a child. All the things that are going on in your life, I want you to look at them with the perspective of faith. Like Joshua and Caleb, two out of the 12 that saw God in the equation the things that you're going through right now, the only way you're going to come out on the right side is if today you believe God will move in His timing and in His way. And then you and I, whatever it is right now, whatever it is that's coming between us and the Lord, whatever it is that we need to get rid of, it could be so many things. It could be money. It could be a man. It could be a woman that's coming before God in your life. It could be drinking, it could be drugs, it could be dreams that you have. It's coming between you and God in your life. It could be a position that you're aspiring for, a possession. It could be the play, the vacation in life. It could be a hobby, it could be a habit, it could be music, or most of all, it can be me. And God is saying, listen, it's real simple. This is how it works. You go and you surrender. What would the Lord tell you? You surrender to me. And then you come and you follow me. And I'll tell you what, you'll be blessed in life. You make that exchange. You get rid of the stuff that's, you know, temporal. And you live for the eternal. You know, we here in the church, we're so blessed with what God's doing. And God is just raising up beautiful people to serve him. You know, all of you guys here, you know, God has a calling on your life, and I don't know what the details will be in your life. Maybe he wants to use you here in the ministry, in and through the church. I think there is a need here. I think that would be a blessing. But maybe he'll want to use you out there somewhere, yonder, in the highways, in the byways, in the valleys, in the alleys. Maybe it'll be at the end of the earth somewhere. You know, there's a a brother that's coming out from India on July 3rd, and he's going to be calling you guys, Hey, you want to go to India? I mean, you may not be there forever, but you'll get a taste of what it's like to go out there into the mission field and to realize that in India, there's 1.2 billion people and only 2% are Christians. Who will reach them? Maybe you'll be an Amy Carmichael. Maybe you'll be a William Carey. But I do know this, you guys, that there's a lot of things that cloud everything out. You know, it's been said that you can take a penny And you can block the largest star if you hold it close enough to your eye. And I think that's what happens a lot of times in life, you guys. I mean, money is a tough thing. Here we see the rich young ruler. That was his problem. I I read this about money. It said this, Workers earn it, spendthrifts burn it, Bankers lend it, women spend it, Forgers fake it, taxes take it, Dying leaves it, heirs receive it, Thrifty, save it. Misers, crave it. Robbers, seize it. Riches, increase it. Gamblers, lose it. And I could use it. There's a lot of people that see money like that. But we need to make sure that we have a right understanding of what's going on in our life. Maybe for you, money is the problem. Maybe you're like the rich young ruler. I don't know, but we need to examine our life. Because, man, we know that, like Jim Elliot said, no one is a fool. No man is a fool who gets... Rid of, he you know, releases that which he cannot hold on to in order to get that which he cannot lose. And that's what we need to have in our hearts. I love what John Wesley said. This is what he said. He says, when I have money, I get rid of it as quickly as possible, lest it find a home in my heart. And I thought, wow. You know, every time I read a quote about John Wesley, that this guy says, some of the books, it just blows me away. This one right here, same thing. I encourage you guys. You guys, let's really understand what Jesus is teaching us here about faith, about following, and to really go out and to live these basics in our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you for allowing us just to study it together today, Lord. And as we see how you always make time for the children, you're not busy we see that message, but we see the, the main message. As you lifted up that child, and you said, unless you receive the kingdom of heaven as a little child, you will by no means enter it. And so I pray, Lord, we would just simply believe. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts to have the faith of a child, the fun of a child, the joy of a child, the fearlessness of a four-year-old again. Help us, God, please protect us from getting too grown up to get in. We believe in you, Lord, and we love you this morning. I pray that today you would lead our lives and that we would follow. And if there's anything in our life, Father, that's getting in the way, that right now your Holy Spirit would show us what's in the way. I pray, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit, you Holy Spirit, would come and speak to us right now. What is it? Who is it that's clouding our vision of you? Lord God, what is it in our life? Who is it in our life, Lord, that is obstructing us from fully surrendering and following you? Lord, I pray if there's anything in our life right now, whether it be a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whether it be possessions or positions, I know, Holy Spirit, that you know what it is in each one of our lives. And so I ask that you would put your finger on it right now in our hearts and that we would yield it to you, that we would surrender it to you, and that you would do a new work in our life. We thank you so much for allowing us to be here today And I just pray you would take these things and you would transform us and conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. We love you so much, Lord. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.